Happy Wednesday, Gilead, or happy whenever you are listening to this. This week's sermon is from Rebecca. It's the first in our 2021 Lenten series, The Road Out. So this is the prologue before the beginning before the pillars of cloud and fire, before the Red Sea pulling back to reveal dry land, before manna, before laws, before Passover, before the burning bush, before plagues, before the baby in the basket floating on the river. This is all prologue. It is after the stories of Genesis, the origin stories. It is after the coat of many colors. It's after famine and a family group of 70 fleeing to safety in Egypt. It's long after Joseph's death and that whole generation's death. In the years since, those 70 Hebrew people have grown strong and multiplied. In the years since, the Egyptians have begun to fear their numbers. They have set up systems of forced labor to oppress and control them. This is prologue. This is the stillness before you turn to the first page and begin all that's next. In this stillness, this pause, there's a land that's not still at all, but teeming with people. And some of the people are enslavers. Some of the people are enslaved. The enslavers have come to dread the enslaved. The enslavers are ruthless. The enslaved live lives made bitter with hard service. Seen from this distance, in the stillness of a far vantage point, the people move and strain and scurry and laze around this narrow, hot land alongside the Nile. And as we get ready to turn the page, as we get ready to start this journey, we draw closer and closer and can begin to hear the noise that so many people make. The noise of so much dread and so much bitterness the noise of so much oppression and grief, closer until one sound cuts through and it's the sound of a baby crying. Some people think this is still prologue, but this is where it starts. For the second sermon series in a row, we are sticking with one book of the Bible. You know how we just preached through First and Second Kings in a very ordinary, thoroughgoing, conventional way over the past few weeks. If you've missed it, you can hit the podcast. And now the book of Exodus. Like, who are we even? Is this us now? We're just preaching through whole books of the Bible. What kind of queer storytelling, Bible-based bar church is this? You can't see it, but there's an asterisk right after Bible-based. Since you can't see it, it's sort of a weird choice. But a couple of things about that especially at the beginning, our our beginning, Gilead's beginning, when people were mad at us for any of a billion reasons, or I don't know, probably like a half dozen reasons, they'd hear, we tell true stories that save lives, and they'd say stuff back like, how about true stories like the book of Matthew? Zing. And we'd be like, yep, correct. That is one. Even now, it's not uncommon for some alumni magazines, no names, to write about us and claim things like stories replace scripture at this new church. Um, A, maybe fact check, whatever. But B, what do you think scripture is? 
If you haven't noticed, and maybe you haven't for a number of reasons, including maybe this is your first time here, and I haven't read any scripture yet, although I did put a bunch of first, the first chapter of Exodus and the first page of the sermon, you didn't even know it. But if you haven't noticed, there is Bible at this church every single week because all kinds of true stories save lives. Between now and Easter, we're going to tell the true, it's another asterisk, story found in the book of Exodus. It's a story that's lived for millennia by being told and retold to and by people who need to know that liberation is even possible. The English word exodus is from the Greek title of this Hebrew book. Half of you nerds know that I'm talking about the Septuagint. The rest of you don't even worry about it. The point is, it's a long way around to exodus. And in the Greek, exodus means the road out. And that is how we got here. Getting ready to turn the page while a baby is crying in a land teeming with people. Turn the page. There's a point in the story where freedom is not even the point. There's a point in the story where the point is survival. Actually, the, the whole long way is survival, but especially at the beginning, before any of the big action, the point is survival for now. Shifra and Pua are the Hebrew midwives who get names, but there must have been many women serving in the role. When the Egyptians were still scared in the midst of all of these people they'd enslaved, the king of Egypt said to these midwives, to Shifra and Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a boy, kill him state-sanctioned murder of male children to control a population. The midwives didn't do it, as you may know. Perhaps even from other Bible-based sermons preached at this very church, because I really love these women. They didn't do it. They lied to Pharaoh and they did their work, catching baby after baby as they gasped their ragged first cry. And at this point in the story, their job was not freedom, their job was life. There is a point in our stories when our job is only to survive, to survive now in order to even potentially get to then. All these stupid memes on Facebook. This is not the first Lent in my life when I felt no compunction to take on any practice. I was so grateful that other time, that was the first time, I was so grateful in the midst of so much grief in my own life when I said to a friend that I, I hadn't even, on Ash Wednesday, so much as thought of a Lenten practice. And I was so grateful when he said, maybe your practice is just to make it to Easter. He was somebody who knew about survival one day at a time, a person who'd known addiction and was experiencing sobriety, a person who'd survived just long enough to start thinking about actual freedom. So that's the point in the story where we are, survival. Hushing that crying baby and yelling out with a joyful lie, it's a girl! Survival after all that's already happened, but before the big drama, before the big liberation story, but this is where it starts. This week, I listened to Dr. Melina Abdullah. Probably, y'all, some of you know her more than I do. She's one of the conveners and leaders of Black Lives Matter in LA. She's an activist and a scholar and a professor. And I listened to her discuss this passage, this very beginning of Exodus. And from her, I learned better late than never 
the phrase survival pending revolution. It's a phrase from Black Panther's co-founder Huey P. Newton. The end point is radical. The end point is justice. But at this moment in the story, the point is survival. This is not the end point. What, baby boys hidden away to keep them safe for a life in a country that hates them and dreads them? This is not, said Dr. Abdullah, a system that needs reform. We can't reform systems where the state can kill with impunity male children of a certain ethnicity, this narrow place. But there is a moment in the story, in your story also, well before the end point, when the thing is about survival. In this moment of survival, after the prologue and before the main action, at least by Dr. Abdullah's measure, the midwives already have something invaluable on the road to real, just freedom. They have somehow a sense of their own already right now freedom, a sense that is rooted in their own power, even then, power to choose, power to act, a sense that they don't, Dr. Abdullah says, have to accept the world they live in, a sense that all of their most radical imaginings, all their innate senses of fairness and right and wrong might be real. Um, she wasn't talking about the midwives, actually. Dr. Abdullah was talking about people right now. She was talking about true stories, not old Bible stories, but they had it, the midwives too, somehow in their moment of just survival, just getting by and getting through, they carried within them somehow some knowledge, some innate sense. And, and I only say somehow, by the way, because I think it's a miracle to get your head above the water you're swimming in. Just to know that that's not all there is, just to know it's not right. What got said to you or done to you or what you witnessed done to them. I think it takes a miracle when all the forces of an empire that is brim full with fear and dread and lies of scarcity, when all of those forces are crushing in trying to tell you, no, there's nothing else. It takes a miracle to trust yourself in that sense that that's not true. It takes a miracle to imagine more, to hope beyond now for then, especially if now is all you've ever known. So that's why I say somehow. All during this sermon, I keep picturing the midwives, sort of. I see some sort of half-resolved image of women in like vaguely ancient Near East clothing, but they're, they're kind of flickering in and out um, because it's like over their image or, or coming into resolution over them. I see other people. Some of them, some of them are teenagers. Some of them are the teenagers we've been. Teenagers not out about who we are in a hundred different ways. Kids living, wondering, is this my life now? Like this feeling so heavy that there ought to be more and that I, I shouldn't, that no one should have to live like this. Some of the ones coming into focus, they're people whose names have become famous now that even their survival moment has been denied them by the state. And some of the ones I picture over the static, cutting in and out over the midwives, they're, they're people ahead of me on the road to freedom. People showing me the way, showing me there's more. 
It's scary, this in-between moment after the prologue, but before the big action. To feel inside myself or to feel inside of people or to feel inside a culture that more is possible, that another place is possible. That there is a way there and we could take it. I mean, the stakes are high either way. That's why it's scary. If we stay, there is the ruthlessness of the way that things have been. If we go, the way is uncertain. And some people will lose their lives even on the road out. This is where it starts, though. Now with the first step. It starts with being able to imagine that there is another place, that there is a way to that other place. With imagining that you are potentially capable of taking that way. It starts with telling each other all kinds of true stories, each one proclaiming liberation is possible. I have been in a narrow place and I have been brought out. There is another way. I have glimpsed the road ahead. This is where it starts. Turn the page. As always, this sermon was recorded live on Zoom at Gilead Chicago. If you want more from us, www.gileadchicago.org or send us an email, info at gileadchicago.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Venmo, PayPal, probably Grubhub at Gilead Chicago. See you next week.